So before we start, in today's show, we went pretty long, uh, really long, actually. We went for like two and a half hours almost, and that predictably happens in these kinds of conversations. Uh, today, we talked with Josh from another podcast called Victims and Villains, and we talked about his belief in demons, and that conversation went into some other areas. We even ended up talking about homosexuality, but a lot of that happened after the first hour. So what I've done is I've split this up so that uh, the first hour is going to be our normal free version. If you want to listen to the rest of the show, um, I will provide a link in the description to our Patreon account where you can subscribe for access to the extended show. And honestly, I think that's where some of the best part of the conversation actually happened. JJ joined in the conversation uh, a little bit late towards the end of the first hour, and uh, he continued on into the uh, the second uh, half of the show. And we had some really good conversation uh, that I think was fun for everybody on all sides. And I just wanted to give you uh, some quick little teasers before we go ahead and start so you can kind of get a taste of uh, what you're missing out on if you're not already a subscriber. Uh, so enjoy. It's just something that we, we need as human beings for our own well-being. And if you can't necessarily choose who you're attracted to, because of the way that you're wired, um, I, I, I might push back on you know any kind of a mentality that that's a lifestyle lifestyle decision. I, I agree fullheartedly. Uh, I just want to say that like like I know that you can't help that you're who you're attracted to. There's a great book that a friend of mine turned me on to. Um, it's a memoir. The book is called Single Gay Christian, and he basically is recounting his journey of kind of like going through and like finding out what the bible specifically says about homosexuality and kind of right. how to be like you know still attracted to guys and be true to who he is but also at the same time to be true to what god has said and so he has chosen to remain celibate so now why would god make you in such a way that you would have to live contrary to who you are in order to follow his will for you. Man, I'm not going to lie to you. I, I don't have an answer for that question. <laughs> do, you, do you think it's possible? Let, let, just hypothetically. What if that religion says that you are not supposed to be in a relationship of someone who's a different race than you are, yeah. and yet you're attracted to people because of how you grew up and who you were around when you were, you know, developing and your sexual imprinting formed around, you know, being attracted to maybe someone of a different race. So right. it what would you tell how would you convince someone who's in that belief that maybe that belief is the <laughs> thing that's impeding them from, you know, being able to accept people for living a healthy, perfectly normal, good life? This is an interesting one for sure. <laughs> so I, like this I, I, I don't ever like try. Question. <laughs> no, you're fine. Is is you know going back to the LGBT? I, I just want to. I just want a community with those people. Right. And I, I think that sometimes we we get so hung up on what other people believe and we can feel so alienated with those yeah. and i just want those people 
anyone in the LGBT community or anyone, period, to feel like their voice is valid, to, despite whether they, if, if they are Christian, atheist, Jewish, Muslim, uh, like, I love having conversations with people about why they believe what they believe. And I don't want to shove my religion down your throat. Things that people suffered from. Right. And that's where I see, you know, is, is it possible that, you know, we could all have beliefs that we're attributing because of our ignorance that are actually harmful to us and to people around us? I, I mean, I would say that nothing is out of the realm of possibility. I mean, I, I could be 100% wrong on everything I've said this podcast. And I think that that's why something like Analyzed is a really brilliant platform to have these conversations and right. to grow. A place where we'll talk about current events, religion, politics, philosophy, and science. You will be challenged. You will question everything you thought you believed. Prepare to be Welcome back to the show, everybody. I am, once again, your host, Thomas, your skeptically skeptical skeptic. 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 <laughs> Doubting Tom. And joining me today is my co-host, Elias. Yo. Today's show is going to be a little different. We're going to kind of break away from a lot of the political talk that we've been doing and gear more towards um, the more philosophical. Uh, today, we've got a guest, uh from another podcast he's i've listened to a little bit of his stuff and it's very good i actually really like your show um today's guest is josh well thank you so much for those kind words sir yeah yeah i actually did really uh i liked the interview that or your your talk with uh elias i thought that was a really interesting conversation um do you want to plug your show Sure. So uh, I run a nonprofit, which also has a podcast. Uh, it's called Victims and Villains. And basically, we create content to educate and engage listeners on mental health awareness and suicide prevention through the lens of pop culture. Yeah, it's really good stuff. And I, I uh, caught that you had actually mentioned the Trevor Project, which is something that I really support. So um, I think that I, I really appreciate what it is that you're out there uh, doing. Thank you, sir. Um, and you guys can find us wherever you guys get podcasts from. It's Victims and Villains and uh, VictimsandVillains.net is our website where you guys can get access to all of our social media, past episodes, suicide prevention resource library, and our movie reviews as well. That's awesome. And so kind of talking uh, before the show, I know, um, I don't know what all you had talked with Elias about, but um, somehow we kind of discussed talking about your belief in demons. It's so weird to, to, to do this because uh, <laughs> like a few months ago, like I, I'm, I had gotten an email, we're on the 
Pressless for Shutter, yeah, uh, which is one of my favorite apps and uh, streaming services. And they were putting out a documentary based on um, the director of William Freakin was doing this like intimate, like candid documentary interview called Leap of Faith, and it was kind of like he went in detail about like the his process of like making the exorcist the challenges like some of the curses and stuff like that that have come out of that since and uh i did we devise this like four-part like mini series where we did that episode or that movie the original exorcist and a two-part uh series on mental health and demons and the relationship that lies before we set down the pastor and I read the book, which was a first for me. Like, I'd never read it, and I realized kind of, like, how much I had related to the Father Kerrison. Um, and so, demons have kind of, like, been at the, kind of, like, the forefront of what I believe. But then it's, like, they kind of, like, took a step forward after going through my season with The Exorcist. Interesting. So I kind of want to just analyze that that belief because from my perspective, you know, I, I look at things uh, rather differently. Uh, I, I sure. lack that particular belief. Um, in some ways, I could see where that might even be, a, in certain circumstances, a problematic belief if it's not a true belief. Would you disagree sure. with that? No, absolutely. And I only believe what I believe because like, so like when you are, I was raised in the church. And so when you're raised in the church, you have those mentalities of this is why I believe. And then you reach this point of why do I believe what I believe? Mm -hmm. And a large portion of that season of answering that question in my own life was actually like, I'd stepped away from the church. Like I was like, super bitter i hate it like god and i just didn't want anything to do with the church and then i kind of similar to elias's journey of like you know trying to find stuff out but somehow finding yourself back at jesus christ like it, it's just this like weird kind of almost like magnetic effect that takes place and for me and why i believe what i believe is because i've kind of gone through it i've i've been burned by the church several times i've burnt i've had i've had many bridges burnt i've burnt many bridges um but i've also been at the forefront of actually also experiencing demonic activity so like everything that i believe is stuff that like i believe because like i've seen it and i've experienced it i think i might come at that from a my experience being kind of the opposite, where I really didn't have anything against the church or, you know, religious people or Christian people uh, or God even. Um, for myself, it was really more of just kind of a process of recognizing, at least for myself, uh, certain beliefs that I held um, weren't entirely rational. Um <laughs> I, I don't want that to sound condescending because that's kind of more of my experience for myself. But some of the beliefs that I held, once I started recognizing some of like um, the cognitive biases that I held and where I wasn't being um, unbiased and reasonable necessarily, 
once I recognized those patterns, it became harder to convince myself that some of the things sure. that I believed were true. And it wasn't really until years of kind of going through that process uh, and kind of coming out of religion in general and just kind of being in more of a neutral position of not not being convinced that any of that is actually true. Um, that's That's really when I started recognizing maybe some of the pitfalls uh, that religious thinking kind of brings with it. Um, so I, I don't feel like I actually left religion angry. I feel like I kind of got angry after the fact. Um, but kind of going back to, you know, what, uh, what you were talking about um, with your experiences, what, what kind of experiences have you had? So I've had two experiences in like in general where uh back when elias and i at first met we i was doing a ministry called love like rain Mm -hmm. and we talked about it on his podcast and basically the idea of that ministry was like working with bands and getting the message of suicide prevention out to their audience and kind of like cultivating community mm-hmm. and one of the bands that we'd frequently worked with had called me up one night and it's like hey we have this demonic experience like thing that's like going on like right now i'm scared i don't know what to do and i was pretty young in my faith at the time and so like i didn't again do even doing this podcast almost 10 years later like i still don't feel qualified to kind of like talk about these things because i've there are people that I believe that are have gone through a lot more than I have. Like I've just kind of been happenstance, if that makes sense, to have um. experienced these things. And uh, so he's like, has he? So this guy has me on speakerphone going out, and just the uh, the gentleman was just speaking in another language that I had never kind of really heard. Um, and I watch a great deal of horror movies and it sounded kind of like what Hollywood imagines <laughs> the devil or demons sound like, like there's, there's some legitimacy to that concept of, you know, a filmmaker kind of believing that the demon's going to speak in an ancient tongue. Um, so that was kind of like my first like experience with it. And then, the second experience that I had, I talked about it on our episode of Demons and Mental Health. And the second experience that I had, I was a little bit stronger in my faith. And it happened to be my dad. Like, and that was like a like face to face. Like my sister is like just weeping. And uh my sister and large portion of my family are kind of like very very religious in the sense of not practicing religion if that makes sense mm-hmm. and uh so like i i had believed at the time that i was going through like i believed in supernatural stuff and i was like okay like this is everything like i've just been studying for two months up to this point in my life and so i went downstairs and i grabbed the bible and anointing oil and i just kind of went start going over passages very similarly to the like the exorcist in the end where reagan kind of is at her climax with the beelzebub relationship and you have the older father whose name 
I'm blanking on it at the moment, like is like trying to like yell. And that's kind of how it, it ended up being because my father was going through this like demonic attack and he was just very, very like, yeah. So I'm trying to think of like how to like kind of put it like just very much out of his, out of his mind, like laughing hysterically, like very, mocking of christ and and the gospel and just it's heartbreaking to watch someone you love go through that stuff Mm -hmm. and so kind of from that moment on i was like all right um demons are a real thing that's interesting that's really interesting i i have i have lots of um experiences that would have been considered paranormal or perhaps demonic in my life i've had a lot um particularly with the exorcist thing it was funny because you mentioned you mentioned pick going and grabbing your bible there have been times in my past this is a really strange story it is as tongue-in-cheek as it is it's a hundred percent true um where i would be babysitting my little sister and my little sister would just throw the craziest tantrums over the most ridiculous things. Um, she was probably maybe six or seven. And there was points where she just would work herself up into a frenzy and just be, I mean, losing her mind, throwing stuff at me, just going nuts, tearing the house apart type stuff. And the only, I like, I was absolutely at my wits end. And this is early, like to the early points where I became a Christian. And I grabbed a Bible and just started, I just opened it up and I just started yelling the Bible at her. (laughs) And she very, like, (laughs) she calmed down. I mean, this is a really wild thing. I would just, I started yelling the Bible at her and she she began to come down off of this absolute frenzy. I mean, she's hyperventilating, screaming to the point her voice gives out. And, uh, she's, she, her breathing comes back to normal. And I'm, I mean, no joke. She just straight up falls asleep. And I've had (laughs) two different times, um, where I've done that with her. I don't know what I, 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 Cause I do try to play devil's advocate with myself on really weird kind of strange coincidental things that you could very much paint into a picture of something like what might be considered an exorcism, but I don't know if that's it. it might, there might be some very scientific logical reasons, you know, that's well, kind of the thing that I kind of wanted to touch on was, you know, thinking back to my childhood in the church and, true. you know, some of the, I guess a diagnosis of somebody's battling demons. Um, you know, I, I can think of several instances where, you know, somebody would basically be trying to fight a spiritual battle and people are trying to walk them through a spiritual battle that actually ended up being, you know, a, a psychological problem that wasn't being addressed properly because they were looking at it spiritually instead of, you know, physically or psychologically. Um, and in those instances, you know, looking back, in retrospect, you can kind of recognize, well, maybe that 
belief was problematic because it was actually preventing people from approaching it, you know, in a way that was actually effective uh, because that wasn't really what they were dealing with. They were dealing with, um, uh, you know, a psychological issue that they needed medication to uh, to deal with. Um, and that's kind of where I start to fall into if if there's something that is if there's a supernatural explanation being used for something, I guess my first question is, is it possible that it can also be explained naturally? Right. And if it is, is it necessary to use a supernatural explanation? So if I can, uh, I, I think that's a larger problem that in recent years I've started to kind of uncover cover and reflect on as a christian Mm -hmm. when it comes to the specifics of the supernatural versus the natural that's being taught in church right and i come from a fairly charismatic background Mm -hmm. uh what i believe now is my wife and i we we attend house church so Mm -hmm. um you know our in the last year our beliefs have drastically shifted from the environment having an impact on what we believe to now the Bible and and why mm-hmm. we believe. And it's interesting to talk to people about victims and villains because on the surface, it's a nonprofit. But for my wife and I, we've used it in the past as a launching pad to bring the conversation of mental health into the church. Right. And one of the things that we often will find is that someone will say, oh, uh, well, you are experiencing this because you're just not praying hard enough. Ooh. And Right. I've heard that so many times. <laughs> the, the, the issue with that is that, uh, and what separates us from other organizations and other ministries is we're going to look at it from a spiritual aspect, but also at the same time, a, a physical aspect. So it's like, well, how does your family history uh, affect how your your mood swings are established? Or is depression something that is running your family obesity, um, you know, have you ever had anyone in your family before you, you know, actually kill themselves? Um, right. Because I, I think in, in, I don't know if this is going to open up a can of worms or not, but I believe um, in the fact that things like depression and, um, you know, suicide and, and self-harm and, and addiction, that all of those kind of start in a heavenly place because the word of God says that our battle is not against flesh and blood but against the rulers the authorities and the principalities of the heavenly realm and so all of those things that we we feel and we experience like they start in the heavenly realm if that makes sense i don't know that i follow actually <laughs> you may have just lost me a little bit dig in ask more questions um i've got ideas about it but i want to hear what your <laughs> questions are <laughs> no actually go ahead because i'm 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 still kind of trying to follow that what, uh, so essentially, this is how I would communicate this with and and, and very like non, um, religious or non Christian terms. If basically the relationship of the spiritual to the mental 
is uh, a big factor. And what I would say would be, what would be, um, I guess the way you would communicate this is, uh, you know, the Bible talks about, um, uh, you know, material realms and then, or the, uh, terrestrial realms and then also the celestial realms. And then, uh, I think, I don't know if it goes above that, but it talks about celestial bodies, celestial beings. Um, and, and so what I would perceive that is, is when you really start to get into the, if you start pulling up that big telescope into, um, the quantum, I, this is why I want it, JJ, because I want JJ to <laughs> explain to me why I'm totally wrong, because I need to know. <laughs> but when you really start to, if we could get a full view uh, or, or a larger view of the universe than what we have, I mean, it, how long does it take for us to form those um, shots of galaxies, you know, and how many... Uh, you know, uh, orbits around something, or how many uh f photographs have to be taken and pieced together? Uh, I'd say it's like probably hundreds of thousands of images that have to be pieced together to create that. And so, there are things going on metaphysically that break through what we would have as a normal three dimensional um material realm. I guess so, what? somewhere up in there is what that heavenly realm language is. I guess my yeah. question is, is where do you draw that line? Where, where does the physical end and where does the spiritual start? A lot of people would uh, argue somewhere in consciousness. Yeah. It, it's also, too, it's, it, it like varies, and at least in my opinion, it varies between person to person. It's not like, I, I believe that, you know, this exists because of, again, it goes back to, my experiences and the things that I've encountered through supernatural ministry is why I have these kind of a little bit out there, I guess, kind of theories that sometimes don't make sense to everyone. Um, but again, like having and like explaining these, these beliefs to other people, it also, I would say that it, it varies on your own personal experience. Okay. So um, maybe a good question that I have uh, maybe to kind of start out, with that I should have already asked is how how confident or how attached would you say you are to your current understanding I'm constantly always questioning and I'm constantly always uh, trying to learn and grow in that factor okay that's be good be because I don't ever <laughs> like want to like say that I'm like comfortable with where i am because again in my experience like the moment that i become comfortable it's just like god's like nope it, this <laughs> x y and z is gonna happen and so then i have to kind of like readjust myself so it's i've kind of gotten into this groove that i'm just going to constantly be challenging myself and whether that's as a christian whether that's as a believer whether that is as a husband a reviewer i i constantly love to be challenged and really find out what is why do i believe what do i believe right. and uh how does that affect my day-to-day -day life so i guess maybe one of the things i've experienced is one by one a lot of the 
supernatural beliefs that I used to have. Um, the more I really investigated, the more I learned that for many, many of those beliefs, there were natural and maybe even more explanatory um, answers sure. uh, that, that could be used. Um, if it could be explained to you, you know, that's maybe some of your beliefs that you currently have and attribute to demons and the supernatural, if those could be explained naturally, would that change your mind if, if theoretically that happened? See, I, I, I mean, maybe it's, it's one of those like weird situations where like, I feel like I've seen a lot that has kind of like transpired in my own life that I'm like, these things don't have logical explanation or I'll experience something like a word or a prophecy, which is a whole nother, uh, supernatural can of worms that I'm just going to use an example. I'm not like trying to open yeah. it full way. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but like, I won't even have like met the person and like, they know exactly kind of like what's going on in my life. And I'm like, well, how do you even like explain something like that? Um, and, and so for me, like, it's just been kind of like playing, being more intentional about like playing faith, I guess is uh kind of one of the things like, and COVID has kind of taught me a lot where I was like, I don't know if like today is going to be my last day at work. <laughs> and if it is like, how is my, how are my bills going to get paid? How is my car insurance going to get paid? How is, you know, am I going to be homeless in a week? Like all of those th things like factor in, like every time that I get behind the wheel of my car, am I going to make it to my destination? Am I going to make it back home? Like, is this going to be the day that I die? And it's like taking every little precaution and just every little thing into perspective is saying like every day that I wake up and I leave my house, I'm leaving it on faith that I'm going to be coming back, Lord willing. How, how would you define faith? Man, that is a loaded question. <laughs> it is. Well, I mean, just because people define it so differently. So I don't want to use the word differently than you're trying to use I it. I think for me, like faith is the, it, it's about kind of like basically giving an answer to the things that I can't physically understand or can't logically understand if that makes sense. Gotcha. I've got like maybe... I've got a completely different view. Check Go this out. Check. My my idea of faith, this is what I think faith is. Faith is the ability to manifest potential. That's a that's a good definition. I I'll also put I put a tally in for that definition as well. Right. Like in we could go on down a rabbit hole in itself of just talking about what potential is or could be because that idea of potential is very strange. Like you know, it's like JJ talks about a lot. Like human, he, JJ goes on this thing about human beings are not rational, and human beings do not have free will. Like you are totally subject to 
uh, uh, you know, the, the chemical uh, reactions and the subconscious, Process. the subconscious and unconscious mind of your brain. And, right. and, and that's sort of like, so what the fudge is potential? You know, like <laughs> uh, potentials, this uh, illusion, maybe perhaps that we have conjured up. And now our goal is to make it our reality. I don't know. That's my poor attempt at, at that question or that I, idea. I, no, I mean, like, even even in like taking something like reality, it's like, okay, uh, what is what is real and what's not? Like that that thing, right. right? That question in and of itself is like a loaded thing. Like you know, it breaks my brain to think, okay, if I really am a believer and I really believe that there's a a, a war brewing in the supernatural heavenly realms. And then one day Jesus is going to come back and it's all going to end and I'm going to live forever. Like, like that just, that breaks my brain logically to, to think about eternity, just the way that it does. What if this whole thing is a simulation? What if there are other people out there that are, are right? That, you know, you, uh, as Dr. Manhattan says, you were born of dirt, you live for a few years you die, you return to dirt. Like, like, what if that's all that there is? Yeah. <laughs> to me, that's a lot less <laughs> for me to take in um, than, you know, the former. Um, I guess maybe, like, my definition of faith was always more along the lines of, like, the Hebrews 11 definition. It's, you know, kind of the faith in, or the belief in what you can't sure. see, you know, based on hope. Um and I think that a lot of people use it that way. I just don't want to use that word that way for you if that's not how you intend it. I mean, I wouldn't say that, like, again, to kind of, like, there's a, a small piece of that is kind of how I would define faith. But, like, faith for me really comes into perspective of kind of being the logical reasoning for illogical circumstances, if that makes any sense. Right. So I guess I'm kind of struggling with uh, that leap to uh, that, that you're making into the supernatural that I'm not able to make myself. Um, because to me, and maybe it's because I don't have a specific story, um, but like in pretty much every experience that I've had where something could be explained either by a supernatural explanation or I didn't have an explanation to me, it's easier to fall back on and it's just unknown until it's to be explained sure. um, rather than to make the leap and then try to explain it without having, you know, some mechanism by which to explain how that's actually happening. Um, so for me, it's kind of more of a, a neutral. I'm, I'm just withholding my belief in something until I have evidence either way. Uh, where somehow it feels like you're you're actually crossing over um, and making that attribution, and I'm curious what kind of evidence, um, you know, you, that uh, is is compelling you towards that. I, again, it kind of comes back to like my own personal experience and the things that like I've encountered over years in in doing ministry and and church and you know kind of this this back and forth of i love god i hate god i love god i hate god and 
kind of really just finding my own voice and, you know, really understanding who I am as far as like being a person within the kingdom, if that makes sense. Right. And also at the same time to, uh, you know, the word of God says to, you know, if you experience something to test it. And like I said, like I, I've, I've been around the supernatural enough to where it's at this point, like why I believe in supernatural is because I, I've, I've seen things and I've even kind of heard, heard things from God, uh, which again is like, it's like, okay, well that's someone like you, Thomas could be like, well, that's not really, you know, sufficient evidence. Well, and it's go ahead. How, how about, how about we kind of like, Try to pin like this down in a, in a different direction yeah. here. How about this? What do you think a demon is? <laughs> what do I think a demon is? I think a demon is anything that can basically set a set a man of God onto a path that is not what Christ wants of, of him, if that makes I I feel like, again... I feel underqualified for this episode. Um, <laughs> but uh, just kind of like a demon can be, I think, anything as simple as, you know, someone kind of developing an addiction. Um, or it can be as complex as someone, you know, battling with. Uh, See, now you just mentioned something specific. You talked about addiction. Yeah. Uh-huh. Now, to uh, me, that's something that's very explainable physiologically. And sure. again, I I do believe that there are. It, so it's kind of like in the in the Bible, there are certain passages which are considered double prophetic words, and they will apply to the situation that the prophet is prophesying the audience that he's trying to reach in that day and age but also a yet to come now that is what bible bible scholars believe and i think that in certain extents there are certain things that exist in the that could be explained as demonic activity but also at the same time can be explained as physical ailments right physical so ailments. so so what that that comes down to is whatever this um this supernatural or spiritual or or celestial i like the idea of celestial because i have some very kind of new age woo woo um things that could dip into the metaphysics um and and, and quantum theory and stuff like that but um, so a demon is something that can uh, possibly it isn't in itself um, a mental health problem, but it could perhaps maybe manifest one within a person. Yeah. So the I, the idea and the concept is is it begs the question like what what makes what makes someone go to something like heroin or cocaine well, in the first place. Lots of things. I mean, stress or depression or circumstances. Uh, you know, if you're uh, 
if you're maybe you know experiencing some form of trauma, you're just looking for some way to escape that. And, you know, maybe you turn to drugs, maybe it's not even heroin, maybe you become addicted to, you know, pain medication by prescription because you had, you know, yeah. uh, an operation or some kind of sure. medical problem. But I don't, I guess where I see that is potentially being a problem. If you're addressing that as a spiritual problem, when it's entirely able to be addressed physiologically, you know, with medical uh, assistance, because I've, I've known several people to have been addicted to drugs, not because they were, you know, being reckless or selfish necessarily, just either through circumstances or what have you. But it was an entirely physical thing that had to be overcome. Um, and there's some psychological aspects to it as well. But they were able to get through that without any sort of spiritual belief whatsoever. Um, they basically just got the appropriate help to, you know, to get through like the physical withdrawals and, uh, you know, some of the psychological issues that might have inspired them to start in the first place. So I guess I'm, I'm starting, maybe I'm, I'm just not realizing where the supernatural or the demonic really plays into that process. I've got, I've got an attempt here. Um, you know, you, we did talk about the exorcist a little bit there at the front. Um, and, uh, a lot of that revolves around the ideas that, um, have been determined by the Catholic church and the Catholic church has, uh, worked really hard to kind of, um, make a, a valid case for, uh, exorcism. Right. So, um, I'm trying to find, I've got something in front of me that, but I don't think it's going to be, uh. A quick read unfortunately but like let's talk about like do are you aware of any of that josh i mean so let's what are what are the factors determine whether something is just mental health um psychotic break and then uh what makes what makes the catholic church for instance say well it's not that it is demonic possession there has to be a specific criteria that they have to check off the boxes you know so the Catholic Church is interesting to address in particularly because it is the main source of when you're talking about exorcism, when you're talking about demons, that is what people generally tend to gravitate to because as, at least in my experience, and I don't know if Thomas or Elias, you guys can comment on this, the church as a whole, at least the evangelical movement, we tend to stray away from the darker side of the supernaturals. So when we talk about spiritual warfare, we do it with the terms of speaking on spiritual identity and all the good stuff that Christ says about you. But we never talk about the reasoning and the purpose for that stuff. Likewise, we don't talk about hell. We don't talk about the, the devil. And if we do, it's always a scare tactic. It's never a yeah. debriefing and informational tool to kind of get to know your enemy the way that the United States Army would or you know anyone that we've ever gone to war with you know we're going to study people or the way that a sports team is going to study the rivals with each game that they have you know we don't really teach that so it's interesting the way that the catholic church in particular looks at it because you can't just go to the catholic church and say oh we need an exorcism 
they'll be like, well, what's your evidence? And so you have to kind of really bring in like hard evidence that can't just be like debunked like that. Like it has to right. be like the environment. So like, I think I keep coming back to the exorcism because the exorcist, because the exorcist is something that it's a medium that a lot of people know. So when you kind of go through and study Reagan's change into Beelzebub throughout the, or sorry, Pazuzu throughout the entire course of that film, the, it's like the little things, the way that she's, you know, starting to slowly act up, uh, moods changing and also like it's getting colder um and and just stuff like that so it's like a, a slight change into like personality but again um you know just kind of really understanding the person because i, I f- feel like it's really easy for a pastor to be like oh well i don't know this person I'm going off the word of a mother but you know really kind of getting to see it for yourself is uh is one of the things and typically the catholic church when it comes to exorcisms will send in one pastor and then if he thinks that they need to they'll come up for a follow-up interview and then before going to appeal to the vatican right and i've got i have found it here let me i i do want to share some of the the determining factors that they the actual catholic church uses um let me pull this up so they they have three specific things that they use to indicate, and it is paranormal indications, behavioral indications, and effects of demonic possession upon others. And each one of those has, the first one's got a, I mean, there's a lot of things where it's like, okay, they break down those three indicators into um, large groups for instance uh paranormal inter uh indicators would be like poltergeist activity seeing the person levitate wait um, but that's has that ever actually been documented and proven to happen uh a lot of the people involved would claim it did they report it but people report a lot of things that don't happen has it ever actually been documented to have happened and proven Uh, yeah i don't think we have like scientifically determined um, on that, but uh, let me give you a few more because the the first list is really. I mean, I, I've literally talked top. to, I've literally heard Mormons talk about, and this is so racist, but uh, um, Mormons talk about black people whitening as they became more holy. I mean, uh, and that's what they reported. <laughs> I mean, whoa, okay, because then. they they believe that the heritage of black people that they were cursed and that's they're why fallen they're angels. Right. So, I mean, people report all sorts of things that, you know, demonstrably are not true. So that has to be demonstrated before it can be considered legitimate to me. Um, Mm -hmm. And then, you know, the behavioral, uh, that's entirely explainable, you know, through psychology and uh, medicine. Um, I forget what that last criteria was. And maybe you can read some of the specifics. Yeah. So. We've got poltergeist activity, levitation, excessive weight of an individual. Um, so, like, this is a, a phenomena where a human being who, uh, for instance, a small child or something, uh, is literally impossible to move. Like, they are so 
there's some kind of physical feat where the people around them literally can't move the child. Like it's the the child becomes uh, paranormally heavy. I think it just changed my mind. (laughs) I don't know Um, if you've ever dealt with an unruly two-year-old. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, Remote movement or destruction of religious objects. Um, Yeah. Understanding and sometimes speaking hitherto unknown foreign language languages with proficiency, Latin, Greek, Hebrew. Um, there's also uh, Eastern European languages. I mean, there's a lot. Uh, the The language phenomena in the demonic possession thing is one of the biggest things that they try to use to validate. Um, That's in my experience. Like the first time that I ever experienced something like that secondhand was was that speaking in languages that they never had before did do we actually know that they actually spoke the language or is, well you here's the thing you have to corroborate that right well a lot of a lot of catholic priests are going to be using latin in uh an exorcistic an exorcism i'm trying to i was i want to say an an exorcistic ritual um because i that's what i really think is going on here i i put a lot of clout on the ritual and what the ritual does in the psyche of all the the involved parties um but uh i mean there's there's audio footage where um accounts of you know uh high school age kids speaking fluent um latin or uh uh greek like dead language stuff like stuff that a high school student is going to have to spend a ridiculous amount of time on to learn um and there's there are there is audio footage uh, uh of that kind of thing I still think there can be some maybe not necessarily fully rational or logical explanations, but I think it's probably uh, a more likely step into a um, more logical or scientific explanation of this. Uh, and that would be... I'm making a note. I'm going to actually look that up <laughs> Yeah, later after the show because I'm curious f- that. About phenomena that. in particular. Um, here's my take on this. I believe that there's something um, Carl Jung talks about the universal unconscious mind. So there is a part of your brain that is, it's not a conscious part of your brain. You can't access it through your consciousness. Um, And that part of your brain does a lot of stuff. A lot of stuff. I, I you know, I am, I, I hate how, uncivilized i am about these types of things because there is a lot of clout to this kind of idea of you know how the brain is affected neurologically and i think if there are things that we can do to manipulate in the natural realm and then convey that for instance into uh the digital realm okay because uh the idea that we have built uh a language out of this is kind of a chicken or egg thing. What came first, language or numbers? Like, did math Ooh. come first, or is math a perceived thing? Is math uh, 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 an illusion? 
Because if math is an illusion, why does um, perfectly symmetrical shapes appear all throughout nature? You know what I mean? Like, uh, uh, you, you find it everywhere. You find it all over the subconscious mind, and then you find it all over the, the conscious mind. There's something about aesthetic to the, the subconscious mind, or, and maybe even the unconscious. I mean, uh, uh, the, the mathematical equations for finity. Once you start putting that down on paper and like looking at it geometrically, I don't know if you've ever um, done that or seen that, uh, a, a great watch. You can clip this in the notes, uh, and it's a really easy way to start to in, understand some of these kind of really crazy um, uh, concepts about physics. Is a uh, there's a, a Disney special called Donald Duck in Mathematic Land, and uh, it's on YouTube. Um, it's phenomenal. Like it explained things that I haven't been able to wrap my head, head around yet. Because it's it's explaining physics and ge advanced geometry to uh, little kids, it, it's it's profound. Um, but and it's also really weird because there's all kinds of crazy like occult esoteric stuff in it. Um, but <laughs> the uh, yeah, I, I think that there. Think about it this way: we have the internet, right? We created this thing that holds um, two dimensional uh things inside of it like i mean it, it holds two dimensions within it uh, imagine if we could create something that can uh well we have we've created 3d printers and they can ma uh, manifest uh two-dimensional things into three-dimensional things i think the only thing i'm trying to think of maybe other things in nature that can do that um other than the human brain. <laughs> like, I, I can't really think of, like, me taking... No, I can't think of really anything. Can you think of anything? Can you think of... of that's kind of a pro profound thought, that we can program a machine using binary to manifest uh, 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 artificial 3D image. That's terrifying to me. Uh, and I'm I'm rabbit trailing. Help me, guys. Um, <laughs> well, it you know we say that we only use like ten percent of our brains. Yes. Uh, wait, is that actually true, or is that just like a myth? I don't know, but that is that is the the urban legend. Yeah, that's that's always what I've. Heard, I think it, I think it comes down. I think it comes down to we only use a certain amount of our brain um, at certain amounts of time, or I I think it's we do use all of our brain function. It's just, we're not Different using, times. yeah, like, imagine, if you will, if you could um, understand, like, synesthesia, for instance, where you can taste, uh, or you can see sounds or taste colors or, you know. Yeah, I'm, I'm just pretty sure that the 10% thing was actually a myth, if I remember yeah. correctly. But I'm sorry, I t totally distracted you. Interesting. But ke But keep going. Uh, I mean, that was that was basically all, yeah, all yeah. I had. Well, but, the, the but it would make mind. sense the way that like you phrased it, though. That you know, different experiences that you go through would allow your you know do, that would debunk that ten yeah. percent myth, and you would allow your brain to you know go into use say 
70% at one time when you're going through uh, a grieving process or, yeah. uh, you know, think about the way that, you know, your brain processes something as extreme as like murder, like sexual assault mm-hmm. and just stuff like that. It neurologically puts something, it, it, it does something to your brain after the fact that your brain's going to function completely different after that. Um, and that's what I find interesting. And that was kind of what I was saying. Imagine if you will think about it. We have the ability to store two dimensional and three dimensional information remotely anywhere. Like it goes to a cloud. Now we are material form. The things in our brain I've heard this theory. are not the things in our brain are not material, but actually they are. But no, like for instance, potential. That is not a material thing. That is a completely uh, made-up concept. Right. Yes, right. it's an idea. I, w- I would say that it is. <sighs> Rephrase that. Say say that one more time. How you said that? Potential. No, the like things outside of our in our brain. Okay. Yeah. The th- okay. Our thoughts. What dimension yeah. do they exist in? They exist within our brain. It's like it's like a video game, right? It's so if when you're playing a video game, you're playing in a reality that doesn't physically exist in a physical place, right? Mm-hmm. Except that the components that construct that are physical entirely. Uh, they're computer chips, um, and they're building a simulated world that you're interacting with. Even though it's not physically somewhere, it's also not out in the ether or in some other realm it's entirely housed within well it's bouncing it's bouncing somewhere else is what i'm saying because uh for instance the cloud the digital cloud that exists in some giant server somewhere right right physically yes yeah it physically exists but that two-dimensional and three-dimensional information that is within the cloud what is that so the the like, idea that you're you're talking about like potential for example like potential is just a concept it's something that exists in another dimension until it becomes reality in our dimension mm. uh, right it ex- it exists conceptually but not physically yeah but that doesn't mean that it it, it exists outside of reality somewhere necessarily because your consciousness is within reality um a computer that constructs a a fake world it exists within reality it's not it's not out there somewhere even the cloud is no different than your computer i mean it's just not physically in your house it's just in a server plant somewhere else well that 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 theory then like in in essence uploading me uh in a in a, in a sense should be possible well except that we don't taking all the taking all the information in my brain that is stored there should there theoretically there should be some kind of way where we can pull all that out and put it into a another storing device a thing that just store uh that stores uh waves that's a whole nother conversation i have heard heard (laughs) like uh, neurologists say that that's not really possible because we 
we analogize computers with the brain, even though that's not really an accurate. I'm, I'm talking analogy. about. I'm talking about like frequency, like and 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 light, because those two particular things are what we're talking about. We're talking about the auditory and the visual, uh, uh, thing that st- the the thing in our brain that stores all our auditory and visual stuff. That's how I can remember a song or or how to hum a tune or or visualize a perfect circle in my brain you know i i can't draw one but i can visualize a perfect circle in my mind and it's just a it's a really interesting thought i feel and, like we kind of got off track well <laughs> that a little my bit. theory is a this bit. oh go ahead finish your theory my theory is this there might be uh, in a sense, something it, it comes into like these things about quantum entanglement and unified field it, is that there are waves. Uh, technically, all, that's all we are is is waves. Sure. Uh, uh, um, you know, uh, and and vibration and and all this crazy stuff. And that stuff functions. I don't think we fully understand how all that functions how waves could it because the a wave on this dimension the the material realm that we exist on like you can see the wave of eli dan doing all his stuff and saying (laughs) his things but how that wave functions and uh in ways that we can't visually see or auditorially hear or we can't physically touch like because there, you know, and this comes down to like metaphysics of non-material versus material, and um, I. But man, that's the thing. Like, we I think it's somewhere between like what everybody's thinking and and what's really going on. And I think uh, that it's our brain for the most part. <laughs> I, I mean, we can't. We're right. We can't fully explain how everything works. Um, but. We have done a better job of understanding, you know, how humans work and how the brain works uh, than we previously had Um, to the point that what, you know, a lot of things that we used to attribute to and kind of steering the conversation back to where we were, um, we used to attribute a lot of things to like demon possession. And now we attribute those things to, you know, uh, various different issues like uh, manic depression or, uh, you know, multiple personality mm-hmm. disorder or bipolar or schizophrenia or, you know, various right. different, you know, uh, well, things that we, we, we can address very differently now with a, a better scientific, natural understanding of the way. Kinda, kinda, but you mentioned kinda. one and you, com- yeah. you mentioned one specifically that I want to pick on because sure. this is the one where it brings a whole big bottle of what the hell and that is multiple personality disorders yeah because right. uh for instance there are, there's well, phenomena the- about like people who when their personality shifts literally they're like things that we did not believe could be um mentally messed with personality wise but when a personality dis- uh when a personality shifts for this specific person and they've They've done tests and they've they've looked at it and they're saying we don't know what the fuck's going on, and that's well, because one of her personalities has diabetes. 
and it lit and it's real. Like she really has diabetes when she is in that personality. Like it, okay, that, it affects our blood. You know, <laughs> yeah, it affects that, our, there's, our physiology. There's there. Once you start getting into that area of psychology and mental health and it's how it starts to physically vary from personality to personality, that is a whole nother can of worms right there. Um, right. I mean, you can even talk about placebo and, yeah. you know, how how profound yeah. of an effect even that can have physiologically. Hey, JJ. <laughs> Man, if I missed you because I, I've been talking it, out of my he ass. He jumped in at the perfect time because he could just, uh, I was going to, I was actually about to mention discombobulation because you just mentioned that recently. Discombobulate me. Uh, wait, you're kidding, right? <laughs> He's completely lost. He has no idea where okay, we're in the conversation. So I uh, we got into a big kind of like consciousness talk and we then we tracked big time. We're talking about the variations between what the Catholic Church uses to um determine whether something is a demonic possession or it is just a mental health problem. Okay. And so, and a lot of that stuff really, like it, it talks about stuff that we don't have maybe paranormal or there's like, we don't have material scientific explanations. We only have these kind of like very, the like, like for instance, the likelihood of a small child or a high schooler, uh, being able to speak fluent Latin. You know, stuff like that. Like the sure. the cases that the Catholic Church uses the most often to really validate the idea of, of uh, demonic possession. Yeah, that, I don't know. I, I mean, of course, anybody that's followed the podcast knows that I'm going to be biased against the idea. Um, I'm trying and- to determine what are the more logical explanations for this idea like what if there is something that appears to be supernatural happening how the hell could it happen um <laughs> there this is one of those annoying scenarios where it's like we can i i'm not aware of any way to test the supernatural Right. Because any claim, any test that you come up with would make what happened natural. <laughs> right. <laughs> because that's the whole premise, right? We're bringing something that is uh, uh, not uh, physical or material into the material realm, supposedly, supposedly right? We're, we're manifesting something on, on a level. Like I was talking about a great example of we were talking about like the power of faith, right? Which comes sure. down to like, you know, the power of placebo even could be a more scientific way to look at right. it. But I, I said, I think my idea of what faith is, is maybe the um, ability to manifest potential. And because potential is a really strange concept of us like taking and tallying up uh, what, we could make reality. Um, yeah. I think about this a lot. I mean, Thomas and I talked today on social media 
uh, over you know free will and determinism and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And one of the biggest arguments for the idea that there is a sense of free freedom that is compatible with you know our cause and effect world is the idea that clearly like things like we think of things and we make plans and we are directors of that path. And like you were just talking about with with faith, you know, we are we are potential like your example like we are potentiating or or actualizing some potential that we visualize. Mm-hmm. I think a great example of what go- is going on in our country is like the idea of manifesting destiny. Oh, it's so gross! Like I really, <laughs> I really believe that's what Donald Trump's right, trying to do right now. Man, see, I don't know because that would imply that Donald Trump has some awareness of history that I don't think he has. But I think very lowly of Donald Trump. (laughs) (laughs) And that might be where we have to cut off for now. But I promise you, the conversation gets very interesting in the Patreon extended version of the show. So if you would like to continue in the conversation, uh, click on the link in the description or you can go to our website at analyzedpodcast.com and you can click on the link there. And I hope to see you on the other side. Thanks for joining us.